Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Come on, give it up for Forrest and Jesse. Don't you just love those guys? I mean, they're, they're awesome. I mean, and this is what we're about here at LifeGate. Life changed. I mean, you hear their story and you think about, here's people who were not in church, not serving Jesus just five years ago. And now, I mean, Jesse's up here leading worship. You know what I'm saying? And, and I mean, she works here at the church and forces leading men. And they didn't even say it in, this, in the video, but like their whole family got saved too. Like mom and dad started coming to the church and sister and brother-in-law called into the ministry. I mean, awesome stuff. Come on. That's what we're all about here at LifeGate, right? It's all about the stories of lives that are being changed. And that's what this series is about. It's about your story. It's about my story. It's about our story. But guess what? It's more than just a series. Like this is a journey that we are taking together as a church. It's more than just four or five weeks that we're doing uh, in this series over these four or five weeks. It's like two years that we are moving forward together in this journey as a church, as we tell God's story. So everybody say God's story. In fact, that's the bottom line of this series that we learned last week is this, that it's not really your story. It's not really my story. We're a part of it. It's not, it's not even our story, although it's amazing the story that God is doing. Here's what it is. It's his story. Come on. It's God's story. It's not about my life. It's about his life. It's not about what I want or what I want to do or how I want to live my life. It's about him telling his story through us. And we have challenged every one of you that this is what we're going to do. We're going to put the pen down and we're going to give the authorship to Jesus Christ because he is. In fact, this is what our key verse for the whole series says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says that Jesus Christ is the what? The author and perfecter of our faith. And so we've decided that as a church, here's what we're doing is we are turning the authorship over to Jesus. And we're saying, it ain't my story. It ain't your story. It ain't even our story. Although there's some pretty cool stories that are weaved together in there, but it is his story. And we are surrendering to him to be the author of our life. Now, if we're going to do that, here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to get some perspective. So everybody look at your neighbor and just tell them, get some perspective. We're going to have to get some perspective because here's what we do a lot of times. When we're in the middle of the story, here's what happens. We only see what we see, right? I mean, so many times, here's what happens is we actually in life have a very small perspective on things. We only see the things that are right in front of us. And in order to tell God's story in our church, in our community, in our life, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to back up just a little bit and we're going to have to get a God perspective. We're going to have to see our story through the eyes of the author. And how many know today that a little bit of perspective changes anything anyway, right? You know what I mean? When you really back up and you really see things through a different perspective, it really changes everything. In fact, it kind of reminds me of this, uh, this story I heard about this girl who went off to college. And while she was at college, she got in a little bit of trouble and some stuff was happening. And so she sat down and she was trying to give her parents some perspective. So she wrote this letter and the letter went like this. Dear mom and dad, I just thought I'd drop you a note to clue you in on my plans. I've fallen in love with a guy. His name, his name is Jim. 
He quit high school right after the 11th grade to get married. But after about a year of being married, he got divorced. And we've been going steady now for two months. And we plan to get married in the fall. Until then, I've decided to move into his apartment and I think I'm pregnant. At any rate, I dropped out of school last week, although I'd like to finish school sometime in the future. Then you turn the letter over to the other side and it said, Mom and Dad, I just want to let you know that everything that I've written so far in this letter is false. None of it is true. But Mom and Dad, it is true that I got a C in French and flunked my math class. And it is true that I'm going to need some more money for tuition at the end of the semester. How many know perspective changes everything, right? And some of us, you know what happens is like we need a little bit of God perspective on the story that he is telling through us. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. In fact, we're going to use one of my favorite stories that Jesus tells. It's called a parable. In fact, Jesus, as we're talking about stories, Jesus was actually the master storyteller. One of the ways that he illustrated points was by telling stories. And he tells this story, this this parable in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, and verse number 14 is called the parable of the talents. How many have ever heard the parable of the talents before? If you haven't heard it, that's all right. We're going to read it. We're going to talk about it. Matthew 25 and verse 14. Check it out. It says, and again, it will be like a man going on a journey. He calls his servants and entrusts his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, he gave two bags of gold. And to another, one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. Now, if you never heard this story, I'll just kind of tell you. Here's Jesus says there's a master. He's got servants. He calls his servants together. He gives one five bags, one two bags, one one bag. Goes on a journey. And then he says, hey, I'm expecting you to do something with what I have given to you. In fact, I'm going to come back. And when I come back, you're going to give a, a, an account. You're going you're gonna to give a record of what you did with what I gave you. And in this story, I really think we can see three important perspectives on the story that God wants to tell through us. In fact, these are the lenses that we ought to actually live our lives through. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. The first one I think that we see from this story and the perspective I think that God wants all of us to get is this, is that the story is a trust. Everybody say a trust. The story is a trust. In fact, I want to tell you here today that everything that you have, your life, the story that you are living, everything that you have in your name, I'm telling you, your house, your car, the money in your bank account, your gifts, your talents, even the very air that you are breathing in and out today, you only have it because God has entrusted it to you. Come on, how many would agree with me on that, right? I mean, everything that you've got, the only reason you have it is because there is a master and that master has actually entrusted it to you. In fact, this is what we see happen in the parable. Look what it says in verse number 14. It says, he called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now there's a key word. How many can tell me what the key word is? Like two of you. Come on, help me out. I I emphasized it so you would know what it is. It it was the word what? His. Man, y'all are slow. It was the word his. Like it appears actually twice in there. What does it say? It says he called whose? He called his servants and entrusted what? His wealth. Now think about this. Whose servants were they? Come on, it says it right there. They were his Whose wealth was it? Come on, this is not rocket science, right? It's, it was his, his servants and his wealth. 
Did this, did the, were, were the, was the wealth, did it belong to the servants? No. Who did it belong to? The master. He called them together. They were his servants. And he entrusted to him his wealth. Now, here's what we have to understand, guys, is the same is for every single one of us. Like we are, if you are a follower of Christ, it's not your story. You are what? You are his servant and everything that you have, you have it because he has given it to you. It doesn't belong to you. Who does it belong to? To him. It belongs to him. He has just entrusted it to you. And in this story, we see that, that the master calls them together. He gives them some of his wealth, five bags, two bags, one bag of gold. And then what, what does he do? He expects them to do something. What was the responsibility of the servant? Well, it says it right there that they were to take the gold and to put it to work. Guess what, guys? We have a responsibility too. That God has entrusted to us our very life, the the breath that we breathe in and out, the time that we have, the relationships that we have, the resources, the money, all that we have, we only have it because God gave it to us. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to him, but he entrusted it to us for a purpose that we would use it for him, that we would put it to work for him. We are just stewards of God's story. So everybody say stewards of the story. We're stewards of the story. God put us in the story. He gave us what belongs to him. And then he said, I want you to take it and I want you to put it to work for me. This is your job. In fact, this is the way it started from the very beginning. If you go back and you look at the book of Genesis and you see how God created, you might know the story of creation, how God created Adam and Eve and he created all the stuff. And then what did he do? He took Adam and Eve and he put them in a garden. Now, who who did the garden belong to? God, it was his garden, but he put them in the garden and he says, now here's what I'm doing. I'm giving you rule over the garden and your job is to take care of the garden. In fact, man's first job was to take care of God's stuff. And he puts them in the garden and he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take what I've given you and I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply it. Right? And the same is true for every single one of us. Like from the beginning, man's first job has been to take and do and use God's stuff for for God, to manage it and to multiply it. And the same is true for every one of us. This life that we live is just a trust. The stuff that you have is just a trust. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. He has entrusted it to you and he has given you one job. That one job is to take it and multiply it for him, to take what the master has entrusted it to you and to put it to work, to use it for him. In fact, I think this is what Paul was talking about in this passage in first Corinthians four and verse seven. Look what he says. He says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, then why do you boast as if you did not? In other words, Paul is saying, Hey, everything you have, you have it because God gave it to you. So stop living your life with this perspective of it's mine and I can do what I want with it and get a God perspective. He's the author. He's the master. Everything that I have, it came from him. And there's this responsibility that instead of boasting it, look what I have. It's instead it's, hey, what has God given me and how can I use it for him? Got to get the right perspective. The first one is that this life, this story that we are telling is simply a trust. So everybody say a trust. Number two, second perspective you got to see is this, is that the story is a test. 
Now, I know everybody just kind of freaked out just a minute right there, you know, because you heard the word test. In fact, some of you threw up in your mouth just a little bit right there when I said that, said that word. Because how many of you freak out sometimes about tests? Come on, raise your hand if you have test anxiety. Come on, all over the, all over the room today. Put it down. How many of you don't get worried about tests at all? Come on, raise your hand. Man, y'all are weird. Something wrong with y'all. I'm telling you, bunch of, bunch of nerds. Because how many of you know, tests are hard, right? Like, like nobody likes a test. But here's what you have to understand, all right? Life is a test. Everything you face in life, you're facing it because God wants to, God is using it to test you. In fact, we ought to have just like something goes off in our minds or, you know, this, you know, that sound like when, when something happens in life, we ought to just have, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's true. Everything that happens in your life, God has placed it there. And, and here's the perspective he wants us to see that it's actually a test and we can either pass or we can fail the test, and this is not really a new thing. Actually, this is a theme that you will see in the entire Bible from the beginning to the end. In fact, the word test or testing actually appears in the Bible over 200 different times. And you start from the very beginning. I mean, Abraham was tested whenever God asked him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Jacob was tested when he worked seven long years in order to marry Rachel. Joseph was tested when he was in the pit and when he was in the prison. And even when he became in the palace, he was tested. Daniel was tested by the lion's den. Esther was tested when she faced the king. Adam and Eve, they were tested. They failed their test. The Israelites were tested when they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. Over and over and over and over and over, we are, we are tested. In fact, this is what's happening in this passage. That the master is testing his servants and he's testing them for one reason. And the one reason is not the reason you think it would be. He's testing for this one reason, because he's looking for someone to promote. He wants someone that he can trust so that he can give them a promotion. Now, most of us don't view tests this way. In fact, most of us look like, look at tests more as a punishment, right? When we face a test in life, what do we do? What have I done wrong? God, why are you punishing me? Whatever, right? But in this story, here's what we find out. We find out that actually the test is not about punishment. It's actually about promotion. He called his servants. I'm sure that he had tons of servants, but he called these three together because they had been faithful already. And so he says, hey, I want to test them and see how faithful they will be so that I could actually give them more. And isn't that what tests really are anyway? I mean, when you think about when you're in, when you're in school and you have to take a test, nobody likes taking a test, but you know why you're taking the test? You're taking the test to find out, did you learn what you need to learn so that when you pass the test, what can happen? You can move to the next chapter or the next unit or the next grade or graduate to the next thing, the next level in your life. And when you pass the test, you get to move up. And it's the same way in our lives. Like when we pass the test of faithfulness, then guess what happens? God can bless us with even more. In fact, this is what the scripture is talking about in Psalms. Look at this in Psalm 11 and verse four. It says, for the Lord is in his holy temple and the Lord sits on his throne in heaven and he sees what people do and he keeps his eye on them. And this is what he does. The Lord tests those who do what? Everybody say that word. Those who do right. Most of us is not the way we think of it. We think God tests those who do wrong. But here's the deal. If you're doing wrong, you're not going to, you're not going to be tested. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to be disciplined. But if you're doing right, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have to go through some more tests to see if you've been faithful so that you can experience more. In fact, I had a, a lunch with a friend this past week and I was talking about some resp- new responsibilities I have in my life. And he looked at me and he goes, guess what? The reward for being responsible is more responsibility. <laughs> and isn't it true? Right? 
And here's the deal. This is what's happening in this passage. That the master, he wants to promote these guys to another level of blessing, of promotion, of responsibility. So what does he do? He puts them through the test to see what they will do. And the guys who pass the test, the guy with five and the guy with two who turned it into ten, who turned it into who turned it into four, what did the master say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with what? With the little stuff. So now what's going to happen? I'm going to actually be able to put you in charge of more. See, some of us look at tests in life and we go, man, God is punishing me. No, no, no. God might just be wanting to take you to another level. But you got to pass the test. And no other area of our life does this happen more than in the area of our finances. It happens in a lot of areas, but especially in the area of our finance. In fact, when you think about, we talk about the tithe and we do the tithe challenge here and stuff. Do you know that word tithe? It actually means one tenth. So when we tithe, we're bringing to God 10%. And here's the thing. Anytime you see in the Bible, the, the number 10, almost every single time that number in Bible numerology actually means tests. It does. You look at, you look at different times, like when God gave them the 10 commandments, you know what the 10 commandments were? They were a test. Would they obey what God has for them to obey? And if they would obey, they would receive God's blessing. And if they wouldn't, they would receive discipline, right? You think about the book of Acts and when Jesus ascends to heaven and he tells the disciples, wait here in Jerusalem and I'm going to send you the promise, the Holy spirit. And they go in the upper room and they're praying. And how many days were they in the upper room? They were there for 10 days. It was a test. Would they trust God? And then when those that made it the whole 10 days, guess what? They received the blessing, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And over and over in the Bible, we see this same thing, that this number 10 actually represents testing. And so when it comes to the tithe, guess what, guys? The tithe is a test. It's a test. Will we trust God? Will we trust that if I give to God 10% that he can actually bless the other 90% and it will be better for me? And when we pass that test, what's so cool is then when we go to that next level, we receive more blessings, right? And in a, just an incredible plot twist in this whole story, not only is the tithe a test for us, God actually even says, you can even use it to test me. And see if I won't be faithful in your life. And when you pass and when God passes, what happens? You move up to another level of promotion. See, it's a test. It's not just the tithe that's a test. It's even, it's even generosity that's a test. See, sometimes what we think is we think, well, I've been tithing. I've passed that test. I'm good. But guess what? You never stop taking tests. God goes, okay, you're tithing. That's good. But will you be generous? Will you give above and beyond that test or above and beyond your tithe? Then when you do, guess what I can do? I can bless you even more. And it's not even just generosity. It's even success that is a test. Blessings are even a test. Most of the time when we think about, you know, testing and things like that, we think about trials and struggles and hard stuff. And that is part of it. But guess what, guys? Success is just as much a test. What will you do when you're successful? Will you be faithful when you've been blessed? I mean, think about it. There's this, another parable that Jesus tells. He talks about this rich man who, who was a farmer who actually had a, an abundance, like he had a, a, a crop like he had never had before. And, and God even used that to test this man to see what he would do with what he had. And so the man actually failed the test because you know what he did? He said, well, I've got more this year than I've ever had. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tear down my old barns and build new ones so I can store it all up for myself. And, and, and God spoke to the man and said, no, 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 you you failed the test because what you don't know is that tonight your life is going to be taken from you and all that stuff that you stored up you thought was for you who's going to get it then and many of us man that's the way we live 
We think, man, God's blessed me, so that means I get to keep it all for myself. And God goes, no, that blessing wasn't just for you. In fact, are you going to live your life in such a way that other people will be blessed through you? It's all a test. And the more we pass the test, the more we can experience promotion and blessing in our life. This is the perspective that God wants us to have. Life, the story that we, that we are living. It's a trust. It's a test. Number three, write this one down. The story is a temporary assignment. Everybody say temporary It's a temporary assignment. See, the thing is that most of the time, our perspective is so short and so little and so small that all we see is what's right in front of us here and now, right? We see what's happening today or next week. Or even if we're looking at life in the big picture, sometimes we think of, you know, we've got 60, 70, 80 years here on this planet. But guys, there's so much more to it than just that. Man, hope you get 70, 80, 90 years on this planet. But even after that, life continues to go on. You weren't made just for here and now on this planet. You were made as an eternal being. Like the Bible says that God placed eternity in the hearts of man. We see this, we see this all through the scripture, through metaphors that the scripture gives us. I mean, over and over, it talks about our life being a vapor. It talks about it being a mist. It talks about it being a fast runner or a breath or a wisp of smoke. It talks about our bodies here on this earth, our, our, our temporal bodies being like a tent, but our eternal bodies being like a house. I mean, we see this over and over that we weren't just created for this life, 78. 90 years here on this planet, we were created for eternity. And we've got to see life through this perspective. And some of you go, well, I'm not sure why that really matters, Pastor. What difference does it make? I'll tell you what difference it makes. How you live this life on this planet will determine what your life will be like in eternity. The decisions you made, the way that you lived, the way you spent your time, the relationships you had, the way you spent your money, the way you used your resources, your talents. All of those things, the way you live on this, in this life will actually affect the way you live in the next life. Some of us don't really understand that, but we got to, man, we got to understand that. And here's what I'm going to tell you. The first and most important decision that you, you can make, it determines where you will spend eternity. And if you've never accepted Jesus, man, you, can, you have an opportunity to do that today. And today you can make a decision that will make the difference that you can spend eternity in heaven when you die. Come on, that's awesome, right? But I'll tell you this, it's not just about where you spend eternity, that's important, but it's also about how you spend eternity. And I'm going to shake up some of your world here today because some of you never even heard this before. But I'm going to tell you, heaven's not going to be the same for everybody. Sometimes we have this in our mind, you know, we can picture in our mind of what heaven's like. We're going to be all up there on the cloud with our harp and it's all going to be... But guess what? Even though it's a place of streets of gold and, and angels and all that kind of stuff... It won't be the same for everybody. The way it'll be for you will be determined by how you lived here on this planet. What did you live your life for? How did you spend your time and your money and your resources? Did you use them for you or did you use them for God? And one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account. In fact, this is, that's what the scripture tells us. That each one will give a, look at this word, will give a personal account. You're going to stand before God and you're not going to give an account for what I did or what your parents did or what the church did. You're going to give an account for what you did. And this is talking about Christians. You're going to give an account to God for what you did with your life, with the resources that God placed in your life. And on that day, man, it's going to be like it was in this story that we're, that we're learning from today. It says that after a long time, the master returned so that each one could give an account for what they did. 
You know, I think it's interesting. It uses that, those words after a long time. You know, I think sometimes we think, well, that's, you know, I know I should use my talent, my time, my resources, my money and stuff for God. But I got plenty of time, you know, or whatever. And I can imagine the guy who had one and he went and, ba- and, went and buried it. Can you imagine? He might have been thinking, well, one day I'll dig it up, dig it up and I'll invest it and I'll use it for the master. But I got lots of time. But then the master returned and it was too late. And many of us, that's the way we live our lives. We think, well, I got lots of time. I know he's talking about giving the building thing. And I know he's talking about serving and using my life for stuff that matters and all that. And I will do that. But right now things are busy and money is tight and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is we don't know how long we got. And one day we'll stand before God and we'll give an account. In fact, the Bible actually calls it a judgment. Everybody say that word, judgments. In fact, the Bible teaches us that there are two different judgments. If you study the scripture, the first one is a judgment that's known as the great white throne. Everybody say great white throne. The great white throne, a judgment. And it's found in Matthew chapter 11 and Revelation 20. You can go and study that and, and read about that. But this judgment is the judgment that's going to be all about what did we do with our sin? We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the judgment where the book of life is going to be opened and God is going to determine is your name in the book or is your name not in the book? And I got good news for you today. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, good news is you don't even have to go to this judgment. Come on, isn't that? awesome because Jesus has taken care of your sin. If you are following him, awesome. You don't even have to be judged in that way. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Come on. Awesome. Right. But here's the deal. That's not the only judgment. Sometimes we think it is. Sometimes we think, well, I made it to heaven. I'm good to go. And that's important. But guess what? There's another judgment. The scripture calls this judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. And this judgment will not be about your sin, this judgment, because your sin has been taken care of by Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is, a, this is a judgment that will be about your works. It'll be about what did you do with what God entrusted to you? Did you pass the test? In fact, this is what it says in, uh, in the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. It says, for we must all, look at that, that's important. It's talking to Christians. Every Christian, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due us for what? For the things done where? In the body whether good or bad. The scripture says, hey, one day we're going to stand before God, just like these men stood before, stood before the master. We're going to stand before our master. And, and yeah, we made it to heaven, but we're going to have to give an account for what did we do while in the body? What were the things that we did with what God entrusted to us, whether good or bad? And we're going to receive what is due us. Our reward in heaven is all going to come down to what did we do with the life that God gave us? What did you do with your money? What did you do with your time? What did you do with your talent, your treasure? What did you do with what God gave you? And what your heaven is going to be like is going to be determined by what this judgment is like. In fact, if we look in 1 Corinthians, I'm not going to read it, but you can look at it in your notes. I'll just explain. Basically, what happens, the Bible says, is that all of our works, everything we've done with our life, is going to be taken. It's, almost, it's going to be like it's going to be placed on an altar. And, and once it's placed on an altar, there's going to be a fire that's going to come down. And all the things that we did, that we did for ourselves, all the things that we did to make us feel comfortable, all the things, all the times that we built a life for ourselves that were selfish in nature and in motive. The Bible says that as the fire comes down, that all those things are going to be like wood, hay, and straw. What happens when fire is built on wood, hay, straw? What happens? It burns up. It's gone, right? 
And then the Bible says, but all the things that we did with, with right motives and all the things that we did for God, all the things that we did that were eternal, by the way, there's only three things that are eternal, God, people, and God's word, right? Come on. Those are the only things that are going to last forever. And all those things that we did for God as him, as the master of our life, all the things we did to reach other people and bring them into the kingdom of God, all the things that we did to obey God's word, those things, when the fire comes down, those things are going to be like gold, silver, and precious stones. What happens when gold and silver and precious stones go into a fire? They last, right? Because those things are, are eternal. And here's what's going to happen, man. On that day, man, Many of us Christians, we're going to be surprised because we're going to think, man, I made it to heaven. But then all of our life's work, everything that we did is going to be judged. And when that fire comes down, I think some of us are going to be pretty surprised how little we have left over. Because so many times we live our life for things that were for us rather than things that were for God and for people and for his word. And I think in that moment, There's going to be some regret. I think in that moment, there might even be some tears. I know we think, well, there's no tears in heaven. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible actually says in Revelation that he will wipe every tear from their eye. I wonder if maybe the reason that he would have to wipe our tears is because when we stand on that day, we have regret over, man, I'm looking at the face of my Savior, the one who went to the cross and gave himself for me, and now I have nothing to give for him because I lived my life only for me. In fact, the Bible says when we get to heaven, those who persevere, they're going to get a crown, a crown of life. Just what if, I don't know, what if, what if your crown is made out of the gold and silver and the precious stone that were left over after the fire comes? What if that's your reward? What if there's, what if there's not any, what if it's all burned up? And then the Bible says that that in that moment that we're, then we're going to see Jesus. And you know what we're going to do? The Bible says we're going to look at him. We're, he's the king. We're not. It's not about us. And the Bible says we're going to take our crowns and we're going to throw them at his feet. And we're going to bow before him and we're going to worship him forever. And what if on that day you don't have a crown to throw at the feet of Jesus because you lived your life. Oh, you made it to heaven. But you lived your life only for things that really didn't matter in eternity. We got to get this perspective. It's not just about here and now. It's not just about what makes me feel good or comfortable or is easy for me. That God has entrusted to me this very life, everything that I have. And one day I'm going to give an account to him for what it's life. Like, in fact, guys, that's what this series and this journey is really about. Some people say, oh, it's about money. And they're just going to talk about money for the next several weeks. It ain't about money. Some people say, it's about a building. You know what, really? It ain't about a building. Yes, we're going to build a building. Yes, we're going to challenge you and ask you to give towards that. But you know what? Guess what? Money, you know, it's not eternal. It can be gone in an instant. Buildings are not eternal. We're going to build a beautiful building and it's going to be awesome. But one day that building is going to deteriorate deteriorate and fall apart. It ain't going to last forever. But you know what's going to last forever? People. God. His word. So let me just tell you something. This series and this journey and this whole thing, it ain't about a building. It ain't about money. You know what it's about? It's about 
committing ourselves to live for things that are eternal, to, to live our life, to put God first and his purposes first in our life, to use our life to reach more people and bring them into his kingdom, to use our life to obey and follow his word because one day we're going to stand before him and we're going to give an account for what we did. And on that day, I got to tell you, I've decided in my life, man, I want that fire to come down. And when it's done, I want there to be an altar full of gold and silver and precious stones. I want to be able to stand before my master and hear him say those words that he says right here in this parable. Well done, good and faithful servants. You've been faithful with with the little that I gave you and now I can trust you with more. Here's the truth, guys. Everybody's living for something. It is. It's true. Some people living to make more money. That's where they spend all their time and all their thoughts, all their energy. Some people are living for success. Man, that's, that's all they do is trying to climb that ladder. Some people live for fun and for sports and for recreation. In fact, that's their church. That's where they go on Sunday. That's where they get all their relationships. I mean, go to the football game and it's like a worship celebration, right? Because raising hands and clapping and shouting and doing all the stuff we should be doing in church because that's the thing that we're living our lives for. And I'm not saying today there's anything wrong with success or money or sports or recreation or any of that kind of stuff. But I am saying this, all that stuff is temporal. All that stuff one day is going to burn up. One day we're going to stand before God and only the things that we did for him and for people and in obedience to his word, only the things that are eternal are the things that are going to, that are going to last. So this series and this campaign is really, as a pastor, my heart's desire. I heard this message when I was like 19 years old and it has changed everything for me because it wasn't just now I got to get to heaven. No, now it's like, I want to get to heaven, but I want to get as many people to heaven with me as I can. I want to live for the one who gave everything for me. I want to give everything for him so that one day I can stand before him and hear him say, you lived your life for the things that really matter. Well done good and faithful servant. Life is a test. The story is a, is a trust. It's temporary and one day we will be held accountable.